It's the Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, we talk about the Packington Land Rover Festival, I-Pace is getting recalled for starting on fire, and another Anarch interview, this time with Camel Trophy legends Tim Hensley and Fred Munsey. And now, without further delay, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the cloth braid wire to Stephen's low-voltage PVC. I'm the dead short of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram, at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, uh, it has been a year of celebrating the 75th anniversary of Land Rover, the Kuma Show, the Anarch Show, and, of course, not to be left out, the entire United Kingdom is having a number of shows this uh, this year. There's all kinds of... I don't think they're doing the Land Rover Owners show, though. Are they or are they still without the I magazine? Mean, did it? I feel like Land Rover Owner doesn't exist any longer as an entity for the magazine. So I would right. be surprised if they had a um, show for the magazine that doesn't exist. Right. That mm. would be weird. Or did it just Seems become the, the, the show then? Don't know. I don't know. I'll Probably rename it. Could be something could just be Googled, but yeah. we didn't do that. So, but it's, something we did Google uh, is the Packington show where I saw some beautiful photos from our good friends at CKD of a lot of the pre-pro cars all lined up together. I think something like, I think Alex was saying like it's the largest gathering of pre-pro cars in recent memory or something like that. Biggest gathering of dorks recently. Yes, yeah, for I sure. Believe so. Super dorks, uh, yeah. Yeah, everybody's got their pre-production Land Rover out to show how much cooler it is than a pre-1500 Land Rover, and those guys have their cars out to show how much cooler the than they are, the yeah. regular 48 mm-hmm. cars are, and so on, all down the line. And only Michael Bishop uh, reigns supreme being able to drive the Huey car around. And uh, But then, of course, everybody has a holier-than-thou attitude about how that car was restored. So <laughs> there really is no, you can't really get to a place where, uh, you know. I'm pretty sure whoever drives Huey has to carry a scepter with him while driving it. Yeah, that's right. They're the king of the Land Rover dorks. (laughs) The Land Rover dorks, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, they had a really nice event. I think, um, you know, Phil brought his SAS Series Mm -hmm. 1 out, Mm -hmm. and uh, there was a great lineup of of pre-production cars, some really interesting vehicles, some 107 wagons, some Tickford cars, some, Mm -hmm. you know, just fascinating variants of Series 1, and all the the big names in Series 1, you know, enthusiasm were there yep. to celebrate Land Rover's 75th anniversary. So really cool event. And I heard the, the venue was great. And the Packington Ford was an area where uh, they did some Land Rover testing. So mm-hmm. you see some of the old black and white pictures of the cars driving through the Ford there. And they, you know, various people are recreating that iconic photo from mm-hmm. back in the day. 
So mm-hmm. neat to see and uh, really cool to see all those cars out there. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great year. If you're into dorky old Land Rovers, man, there is some incredible opportunities to go out and see them in the wild. I know Tom Pickford has had uh, Pollyanna out a few times. There's been any number of uh, fancy CKD cars driving around. Michael Bishop always has something crazy. Sometimes it's a demolished 007 Range Rover. Sometimes it's a pre-production Series 1. You never know. Sometimes yeah, it's a I Mondeo. Think- you know, Everybody's really celebrating the, the early cars this year, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's really, it's really cool. It's really cool. It's it was neat to see, neat to see large collections of those very rare cars. That like seeing one of them is kind of a neat thing to see. Like seven of them is is pretty cool. So that's yeah. good. And, and, and the rest of the year, everybody tells you how rare they are, and then you know that that day they they just seem like pretty run of the mill. Whatever, yeah. There's like everybody's there. <laughs> there's know, another stuff. one that just tripped over. Jeez, some pre fifteen hundred garbage. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. And there are more to come throughout this whole year, too. There's a, there's a few more shows coming up, whatever. Mm-hmm. I do think, isn't the Land Rover Owner Show, it's in, usually in September or something, uh, the Peterborough Show. I don't know what that's going to be now. It'll be interesting. Couldn't say. Don't LRO, Peterborough, not LRO, LRO. It's just going to be, it's going to be REO. REO Speedwagon now is going to sponsor uh, that show. So That sounds rad. Or Bachman Turner Overdrive, maybe. One of the two. One of the two. It's going to be great, though. I'm on board. Right. Yep. Speaking of being on board, there has been a recall to the Jaguar I-Pace. The eyepiece, of course, famously the first JLR electric, uh, all electric car and used by like uh, autonomous car companies like Waymo and things like that. They they bought a whole bunch of those cars and they were using them. They're still using them. Uh, but I care that apparently they'll spontaneously catch fire. Yeah. And I think this is a problem uh, not just with this particular vehicle, but uh, possibly electric conveyances of all right. varieties. Right. You know, you, you hear like the, about these battery fires in, in various cars and uh, scooters and bicycles and mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. kinds of anytime you've got a lithium battery. Yep. You know, you, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of cell phones, you know, mm-hmm. kind of combusting, you mm-hmm. know, in various uh, videos on the Internet and stuff. Anytime you got a lot of energy in a small space, there's a risk, whether it's yep. a spring or a battery or what have you. Yeah, that's right. And certainly while they're being repaired, you know, once you've got them apart and you've got, you know, things that are able to short to other things. You thermally run away, and the next thing you know, it's uh, it's a big it's a big deal. And lithium uh, battery fires are pretty hard to put out, and they're not Very. they don't respond to your normal uh, set of uh, fire extinguishers. And no, and, the, uh, no, the yeah. normal rules do not apply for battery no, fires, no, and that's no, no. Uh, I think why they're so dangerous. Um, yeah. Vehicles, uh, Teslas, and you know other types of electric cars have have burned people's houses down. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. in New York, there's a, a big you know kind of controversy or debate about uh, the role of electric uh, transportation, especially bicycles and scooters. Right. You know, a lot of these bicycles and scooters are made in uh, factories overseas, where maybe they don't have the most stringent safety procedures you know for assembling mm-hmm. these things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh when those batteries blow up they're just as damaging as as any battery and yep. uh, apparently there was an article from the new york times about battery fires related to electric bicycles it is the leading cause of death by fire in new york city not smoking not like unattended cooking it's right. e-bikes 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 roaming flaming e-bikes yeah uh, you know a hundred people out a hundred structural fires this year so far. Wow. And something like 14 or 15 deaths associated with that. They're a menace. They're a menace. Five people died in a electric bike repair f- shop, repair facility fire mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just the other day. Wow. Yeah, that is that crazy. Was maybe a week ago. Wow. It's crazy. No, that is nuts. Well, if you have an iPace, Be maybe get, uh, yeah, have those batteries checked out. And I guess if you if you ride or drive an electric scooter or bike, maybe... 
uh, keep it in the yard, you know, just yeah, park case. it outside, you know, you yeah, know. run, keep some water running over it. Yeah. Use using. a smart tender instead of a dumb tender. Yeah, exactly. Don't just plug, uh, you know, battery uh, cables onto it and stick it into the wall. That doesn't, that's yeah. not a good idea. So definitely, uh, definitely something to think about, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of something to think about, we have, uh, another, another interview from our, you know, now let's be honest, somewhat dwindling stack. We still have some in the, uh, in the stocks, but man, did we have some incredible, incredible interviews at this year's Anarch. The line of people who wanted to get an interview oh, was, huge. was just was huge. huge. There yeah. just wasn't yeah. enough time. We had to keep sending Bill Burke back out. Unfortunately, you know, it's just like we could, just kept running out of time, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, t- it was too bad, but we'll definitely get him on in, uh, in next coming uh, show. But, uh, this, this particular duo, Tim Hensley, first of all, Camel Trophy winner, the only U.S. Uh, participant to uh, have won his team. Tremendous uh, human being as well. Super nice guy. The nicest person in the world. He's the American Bob Ives. He really is the American Bob Ives. You know, it's it's strange. They're they're similar looking. They're similarly acquainted. Uh, you know, they have a similar warmness and joy to them. It really is. It really there's something to it. I mean, the Camel oh, Trophy is. Uh, yeah. They have a they have a you know they have a type for sure. Oh, a type. You know, they like a particular type. Yeah. And then we were able to right a great wrong uh, by having Fred Muncy from Camel Trophy ninety on. Finally, we, of course, famously had him on along with Tim Sweat at Destination Defender uh, last year. But that tape was lost because too many people were busy shopping for knickknacks or uh, having drinks or conversations on their own that the recording is unusable. It was unusable. But that sounds sounds like it's really uh, gotten under your skin. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, it's not snack bars. It's giant trailers. So there's always something, you know, yet we persevere. We cut through it. And I have to say, absolutely fantastic conversation with these two gentlemen who are as passionate about weird other things as all Camel Trophy people are, as they are about their Camel Trophy stuff as well, be it dirt bikes or Unimogs or building your own house or whatever else. If you ever meet Tim Hemsley in person, you should be so lucky. Ask him about his Dodge Travco conversion tow vehicle. It's amazing. That is just spectacular. And Fred is such a fun guy to talk to. Just a genuine, adventurous spirit to those two. Well, let's uh, fire up the interview machine and get to know them both. Let's do it. All right. Well, we're back for yet another uh, groundbreaking interview here at the uh, Anarch Diamond Jubilee 75th anniversary, uh, this time with two legendary Camel Trophy drivers. Of course, Mr. Uh, Tim Hensley, 1993, same as my... Uh, Camel Trophy Discovery, which you were nice enough to sign for me at an event. And uh, Mr. Fred Munsey, joining us again uh, the first time at Destination Defender, uh, you and Jim Sweat, the uh, content was uh, so salacious uh, that uh, JLR banned us from uh, from ever using it. It certainly Sounds wasn't right. a technical uh, issue on our part. <laughs> it was uh, it was that. Uh, but uh, the audience there uh, live at Destination Defender certainly enjoyed the conversation. Um, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm sure, uh, we'll have, uh, another, uh, not fit for, uh, JLR conversation, uh, today. So thank you both for, uh, joining us. Uh, it is, uh, it's a distinct pleasure to have, uh, a couple of, uh, Camel Trophy, uh, legends, uh, with us when, when available. So absolutely. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Pleasure's all ours. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit then, uh, maybe about your individual, uh, events. Uh, not much time between, uh, between the, uh, the two events, but, uh, Obviously, a little bit of a difference in the uh, in the uh, type of equipment and in the uh, the type of event. So, Tim, let's start off with you. Um, you know, 
obviously you were in a, a year where the uh, Land Rover Discovery uh, was the uh, was the car of the day. Um, maybe just tell us a little bit about your sort of impression of that event. Where did you find out about Camel Trophy, and uh, what made it something that you uh, you had to do? So I I sort I grew up out in the Pacific Northwest, mm -hmm. Washington State, and adventure was my life. I was out in the country literally, and had had been reading about Camel Trophy in magazines and so reading you know as a you know, a, a young kid, I was on motorcycles and out in the woods, four-wheel drives and all that. And then later on in, 90, in 91, 92, I was reading about this and yes. probably saw Fred. Yeah. In the, you know, and in the weren't magazine. discouraged from doing it. So. Yeah. Uh -uh. <laughs> and so had saw this sidebar in the, in the magazine and it said something like, if winching a vehicle and or fixing a vehicle in the middle of the jungle at night laying on your back in the mud sounds like fun to you you should apply and it was like ooh, that sounds like fun <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great that sounds great and uh, and fred how about you where did you find out about uh, about camel uh, trophy initially it was a friend of mine worked at um jfk doing customs okay and he brought me a magazine a uk publication that had the article about the 95 camel trophy in borneo no, sorry, 85, 85, 85, 85 yeah, in Borneo. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was like, well, that looks interesting. That looks like something I'd like to do. And uh, I'd been off-roading a lot and yep. spent a lot of time camping and got really good at breaking cars in the woods and right. <laughs> and fixing them. And one thing led to another, and then I ended up meeting um, Bob Burns. Yep. Um, my shop had an assortment of odd vehicles outside, and he swung in one day. <laughs> that would have been in... Um, March of 87. Wow. So when Range Rover first came back yep. to North America. Yep. And then later on, he introduced me to Tom Collins. Oh, fantastic. And yeah. Tom, had, as we know, had done Camel in uh, 87. And I met him and we spent an afternoon off-roading. That was in 89. Mm -hmm. And he called me up and he goes, hey, there's going to be a Camel team in Siberia for 90. Are you interested in trying out? Right. And I was like, heck yeah, sign me up. <laughs> so and then cool. went from there. And when you say odd vehicles what do you mean by that i'm just curious i had a shop about 15 miles north of new york city right on the hudson river okay mm -hmm. um called by the name of piermont garage mm -hmm. and i worked primarily on old land rovers oh right on. land cruisers broncos jeeps four-wheel drive vehicles yeah. so, so yeah. your experience with land rovers predated your experience with camel oh heck yeah right on yeah. that's cool so, yeah, yeah, yeah so you know you're talking to a bunch of different drivers. It, it it's it's about it's a split, you know, 50-50. I would say some people had Land Rover experience first, and then other people got into Land Rovers because of Camel. Well, it's like yeah, yeah. My my first vehicle I bought in high school mm -hmm. was a 46 Jeep. Oh, right on CJ2A. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. CJ2A. Mm -hmm. And then, um, ironically, I I went to college at Cortland right here. Yeah. Oh, cool. And then I spent three years working here at Creek Peak. What? What? <laughs> yeah. What a wow. coincidence. Are so. you still certified to operate the chairlift? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. That's where they run them yeah, backwards. Okay. <laughs> so I worked in the ski shop. Okay. So I got free lift tickets. So nice. I skied all the time. And I met a lot of the mountain guys that were all into off-roading. Okay. Uh, cool. Okay. See how it works? Yeah. So, so this is really coming full circle. You kind of got into four-wheel driving <laughs> here at Greek Peak, and then you're back. I came back to it, yeah. Wow. Exactly. Right so those, so those are the vehicles that I had because I found that I learned I couldn't afford to pay to have them fixed. Right. So you have experience with all these vintage four-wheel drives, and, and this is on the down low. Which one's better? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'll go back a little bit. I actually have the very, or had the very first Land Rovers because mm. I had a 42 Willie, right. 42 MB, <laughs> right, MB which, yeah, is, yes, which is the platform of that course. Land Rover was one of the early of prototypes or the, the inspiration zero. for the Series that, Zero. For yeah, that's yeah. yeah, Series Zero. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's you know, right. everybody says the Land Rover is based on the Jeep, right? And, and what they don't think about a lot is, you know, who designed the Jeep? Bantam, right? And Bantam sold uh, and, and marketed the Austin cars here in the United mm-hmm. States, mm-hmm. right? And so if you look at the prototype Jeep, it has a lot of Austin components in it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of went full circle. It kind of went from like uh, uh, this compact economy British car into the Jeep and then into the Land Rover. It's <laughs> it's really uh, it's really kind of interesting. Yeah. It's books on tape back on books again. Yeah, yeah it's books exactly. on tape yeah. back on books again. Yeah, As a little kid, I remember having Matchbox cars. Mm-hmm. And my two favorites, weirdly was a little series Land Rover and a Jaguar E-Type. Oh, perfect. Out oh, of all, all of those. <laughs> and it's, that's a true story. It's a good combo. It is a good, good combo. combo. That's yeah, a Steve McQueen combo right there. That's right. That's right. You're doing the Steve McQueen combo. Exactly. Well, so I'm always interested to know, obviously, you guys loved the year of Camel Trophy that you did because you did it. But is there a particular year of Camel Trophy that uh, that you wished you could have done? For me, doing 93 was perfect. The timing was great. Because Discovery was the vehicle being used yeah. in 94, it was coming to North America right. uh, to be sold here, the Series 1 Discovery. Sabah, Malaysia was, it, everything aligned. I had the right partner yep. that year, which is yep. which is everything. Yes. Uh, and um, then, honestly, my funnest year was the next year, driving support. Mm-hmm. Argentina, Paraguay, Chile in 94, going through the Andes, going over Sucumpa Pass at 16,000 yeah. feet, the yeah. Atacama Desert, driving through the border crossings with, t- with, with them telling you to stay on the, on the trail because that exploded vehicle next to the trail, there are probably more mines out there. <laughs> right. So I honestly wouldn't have changed anything with it. The timing was right. Everything was right. Here's it. a quick question. Now, you've done it both as a competitor and as a support role. Uh, it sounds like there's less pressure on you in the support role, so That's maybe it's a little more fun. <laughs> it's a little more fun. It's a different kind of pressure. Obviously, sure. depending on which vehicle you're, you're assisting with support, I drove the... Uh, support vehicle for BHP Sport out of the UK mm-hmm. was the video video crew. Oh, awesome! Oh, and fantastic. I drove that vehicle for two years, ninety four and ninety five. Yeah, and totally different kind of pressure because you're you know you're in charge of that vehicle and and helping them achieve whatever objective it is that they're trying to do. Right. Sure. But it's a lot more fun. The pressure of competition is off. Right. Right. Which some some people love that, and some people for some people that can kind of almost overpower some of the experience that that you get. Yeah, because the support vehicles, like Tim, you drove the video. I drove a video crew in Africa. Yeah. So you've got, their job is to shoot the video of the event. Right. So you need to get them where they need to be. Right. Before the competitors come through. Before the competitors come through. Correct. And at the same token, they've got a boatload of equipment. Right. And you don't want to, you know, and if you're stuck, if you don't drive right. Yeah. There's a delay if you drive really poorly and flop it over. Right. How much of their equipment has been damaged yeah. and rendered yeah. useless? And the, let's face it, the whole thing about Camel was promotion. That's right. Yeah, that's right. If you don't see the pictures, it didn't happen. And, right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and 
so many years of such amazing stuff. Of course, Nick Dimbleby's very good friend, friend of the show. And, uh, you know, having that uh, Camel Trophy anthology tome that Nick has recently come up with, I think has really reintroduced Camel Trophy to a whole new generation of people who didn't, like Ike and I, grow up watching it on cassettes we would get from uh, the UK or something. I had or in a dealership. video cassettes. Yeah, me too. Somebody oh, yeah. made copies yeah. of yeah. The, the events. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, ooh, I'm going to watch these. And I, I had like, I don't know, eight years or something yep. of the yep. of the various events. And yep. they're they're also different, especially the real early ones. They're, they're so different. And that brings up a question because I'm not I'm not a Camel Trophy expert. I haven't really followed the Camel Trophy carefully, you know, uh, but from an outsider's perspective, like, I, I'm not exactly clear on how the events were judged, like how they determine a winner, like, and and uh, are the points, I assume there's some sort of point system, or is that subjective or is it finite or how well, does that work? It's, it's modified over the years. I see. All right. Um, like. I can speak to the year that I went. There were essentially two awards. Okay. There was an award for how you performed in each one of the special tasks. Okay. So at the beginning, middle, and end of the convoy, there were stages set up just for competition. Yeah. Okay. So All special right. stages. Special stages with a variety of different driving or running or orienteering events. Those were scored. You were, you know, so many points for first, so many points for last. Yeah. All right. So there's a cumulative points based on your performance in each one of the special tasks. Mm -hmm. And then the other award was called Team Spirit, where every vehicle in the convoy, not just the team, but the support cars mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. would get a ballot where they would mm -hmm. vote for whatever team they felt put the most effort, Team Spirit, in for the entire right. event. Right. So there's two different awards. I right. see. Later I see. on, they, they merged those two awards. Do they tell you like how you're doing as you go, or no. do you find out at the end? No, they, no, they, they you know, you know, you, okay. you know, to some degree. I mean that you're you're doing okay, and then what they do for the you know the overall winner is there's the team spirit award that Fred talked about, and also the special tasks winner of the special tasks. So that literally at the end there are three awards, or at least the year I did. Yeah, and then. The team that did the best on both of those is the overall winner for the event. I see. So it's combined. It's a combined. Yeah. So and they changed the scoring over the years. Yeah. I got you. And and scoring the beauty of, of doing this the the Team Spirit Award is this is a big convoy that has to get through a yeah. lot of stuff. Yeah. And in Nick's presentation yesterday, there were some bridges that were out. Yeah. In our first two days of the event, there were 23 bridges that had to be either repaired, <laughs> navigated around, Brilliant. or built from scratch. Right. Sounds, like, sounds like Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or 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 New York City. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the the real issue there is how do you get 18 right. different countries to work together? Well, the Team Spirit Award helps helps kind of push right, motivation yeah. there absolutely right, right but it's fun also it'd be like this community if something needed done up there on the mountain yeah. and you know you get on get on the horn and pretty soon there's a whole fleet of cars that's heading right up there. and you so. can't and you can't train for team spirit right right you can go out and you can do time speed distance driving you mm -hmm. can do trials courses you can do do practice your winching and, and all those yeah. but you really can't train for team spirit you've right. either possessed that your team either possesses the quality or it doesn't or it doesn't yeah. well you know that that brings up an interesting memory for me well it's it's not it's a recent memory because we just did a trip with bob ives over in australia and uh you know we drove series ones through the snowy mountains and that guy 
you know, he is, he's unflappable, you know, yeah, no matter what happens, he's always, he's at the back of the convoy, you know, he's always last, he's always like helping everybody out. And I just feel like, like he, he got that from somewhere and I don't know whether yeah. he had, got it from Camel Trophy. Like you said, he had yeah. it before that. Yeah. He had it before that. Yeah. Sure. yeah. That guy's yeah. just the nicest guy. He is the nicest guy. I will say though, this time he did get the benefit of riding at a 130 with heated seats and <laughs> everything else. When everyone else was outside in their 80 inches, uh, Bob was in uh, the absolute lap of, uh, of luxury so there. So, but well-deserved, well-deserved. That 130 is like the heaviest 130 there is. It has a, <laughs> a mobile crane on it. It has like a tipping bed. And at one point uh you know not to tell tales but he did get it stuck oh, yeah and uh jenna pulled him out with an 80 inch <laughs> <laughs> yeah bob has told he's told that story and uh that's uh, i think I, I think he wouldn't have it any other way i think no that's exactly no and, la- and later like uh, obviously he was he's recovered several people yeah, with yeah. the 130 but yeah uh, he was driving a cruise ship off roads it's so huge is absolutely it's huge and enormous heavy. and incredibly heavy yeah no really uh, really, really fantastic. So, on the uh, topic of uh, of vehicles, uh, obviously Discovery and uh, and Defender, uh, re- respectively. Um, if you had to do uh, Camel Trophy uh, over again, what vehicle would you want to do it in? Would you want to stick with what you had? Would you want to try? One of the other cars. Do you? Uh, How you many know, what, people what are in the car? Well, I think the regular compliment, right? You and a couple of uh, of uh, foreign journalists or something that they've <laughs> stuck in the back uh, uh, with you. Uh, four people. Four people. What do you think? I take a one ten. Take 110? a one ten. Yeah. yeah. The discovery was fine. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, the discovery was a was a great platform because it's a little smaller than the one ten, so yeah. it's a little more maneuverable in the in the tight stuff. Yeah. But having said that, we had four people, you know, and all the camera gear in the 110 right. for the for the two years of support. So either yeah. either way is, either way is good. Like it, yeah. The flavor of Land Rover and the capability is built into both of those vehicles. Right. So yeah. And yeah. they're they're virtually the same underpinnings, drivetrain, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. Close yeah. enough. Close yeah. enough. <laughs> Close enough. Right. And that same sort of idea then obviously there's nothing that comes close to Camel Trophy nowadays, I think for a variety of reasons that just doesn't makes sense in, in modern society. Uh, there's also not uh, off-road tracks like there used to be. You can only now drive over, I think, about uh, 60% of the United States off-road. It used to be you could almost get coast-to-coast, coast. Uh, and many other countries are like that. But do you guys think, is there a at least a karmic, maybe, a sequel to uh, Camel Trophy? There was G4 and things like that. But is there something going on in the world today that, that sort of evokes maybe a little bit of the spirit of what uh, of what Camel Trophy did. There have been several things done in different countries that invoke some of that spirit. In Malaysia things yeah, have been rainforest done. challenge. Yep, yeah. absolutely. So th- I think the the vision, honestly, for the entire community, whether it's here, whether it's in Malaysia, mm-hmm. I was talking earlier to someone from and who had been and has a friend in Iran, mm-hmm. and the the spirit of adventure is what brings this whole community together. Right. And right. it's it's not camel trophy it's it's about getting in one of these crazy cool vehicles and and going and doing things that you can't do in a sedan right and yes, yes. i think that's the common thread that runs through all of this that cool. and, spirit and, of adventure and over the years camel morphed you know it used to be just purely vehicle related right. every task revolved right. around the car right and then they started getting to more into like orienteering and more mountain biking and more you know and kayaking or canoes so the format changed. So you're seeing more competitions that are still have the same type of uh, adventure 
you know, but competitive spirit. Right. But not using vehicles. Not right. Using it's vehicles. A, yeah. Right. Holistic. Vehicles is a part of that adventure. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you see me heading out from, from home, you're going to see a kayak on my roof or right. a motorcycle behind the Range Rover right. or, you know, one of those things that are that's happening in association with the vehicle. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, that brings up a good question. Uh, so what's the next challenge for you guys? What's next? Wow, great, great question. Uh, I'm in the process of mine right now. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> putting up with us is this challenge is a, enough. This is a challenge. Oh, no, you guys, you guys are easy. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> now, honestly, I have no specific challenges coming up, okay. but but I still live the exact same life that that brought us all into this in the first place. At home, I have kayaks and I have, yeah, you know, little, little drift boats and and different things that. Yeah motorcycles and all the stuff that still lends the the or leads to the passion of adventure right exactly right. Yeah. yeah and what do you got and and your day-to-day uh not every day but obviously you're here with our with our good friends at uh, jlr representing the the defender brand uh, specifically i think uh, well while you're here and uh what what do you guys like about uh, having a, a brand new Defender owner come out with you on uh, maybe some of the stuff that we have out here or events that you do with these uh, brand new uh, owner in one of these vehicles that maybe doesn't entirely understand uh, its capability? What do you guys what do you guys love about doing that? I think it's bringing more people into into the, into the community, mm-hmm. and you know the new Defender is probably one of the about the most capable vehicles Land Rover's built. Yeah, yeah, and it'll it covers a lot of mistakes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Which makes it relatively easy for a person with not a lot of experience, right, to be a hero, to be successful. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Which draws more people into it. So we're right. seeing more, more people coming back into coming into Land Rover for the outdoor adventure aspect of it that you wouldn't get, you weren't getting in your typical Range Rover, Range Rover Sport owners. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's bringing a whole new breed of customer. Right. And and Fred mentioned the technology that's built into it. The some of the stuff that Land Rover has literally patented and created and yeah. brought it brought into the industry that terrain response and hill descent control mm-hmm. and we were the first to use four channel analog brakes and mm-hmm. the first to introduce traction control into this market segment mm-hmm. and all of the other things makes it so easy to just dial up the the expert electronically right um think of it as as automotive ai if you will and off you go and have some fun with it so um with that we still do driving schools and and everything so the the actual driver needs to be engaged with the vehicle right but the vehicle does a can like fred said cover a lot of mistakes that yeah well it gives you an extra tool an extra capability to improve somebody that's already good or make somebody who's maybe a little uncomfortable confident Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. No, and one thing, you know, is as uh, Jenna and uh, Liza, our uh, rally team uh, for the Rebel Rally, were, uh, you know, sort of, uh, they took out one of the new Trek uh, defenders on uh, on the, uh, de- uh, the Rebel, uh, the Rebel uh, Trials this year. And uh, it sort of commented, it, 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 it sort of makes the human driver, uh, the good driver, uh, you know, a better driver. And in Jenna's case, the exceptional driver. Uh, you know, sort of superhuman uh, to the point where you sort of have to regulate yourself that, uh, you know, you're not losing uh, track of the focus and things because it isn't driving a Defender 90. It it lulls you into the, a sense of comfort where you are still driving a vehicle, in that case in a race situation, and you need to be aware of it. But, uh, but man, and as, especially one thing that an interesting comment for them was the 
you know, people make fun of the comfort of the of the vehicles, but for them, when it's 100% paper-based navigation rally, there's a ton of math happening in the car. There's a ton of communication happening in the car that having it be comfortable, relatively climate controlled, and, you know, relatively quiet is a huge performance enhancer. Uh, when it comes to traditional two-team rally, where you're communicating driving directions back and forth and doing all that, and you're not contending with, uh, you know, er- everything that comes with the, the more classic vehicles. So, uh, you know, it's... <laughs> Defogging <laughs> the windshield, with a, shutting the door that's just popped getting open. Getting it, uh, yeah, squeegeeing the uh, rain off the windshield uh, out the window or, or whatever that you're doing. So, no, it's very cool. What, on that thread, what's one modern Land Rover feature that you guys wish you had when you were out in the middle of the uh, of the jungle or Siberia or whatever. Tiny cactus <laughs> mode. My, my favorite mode is tiny. Just, just leave it in tiny Ca- cactus, cactus mode. Yeah. Air conditioning would have been really nice a few <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah. When it's 110 degrees out yes. and 100% and humidity. I was sure he was going to say Apple Play. I was sure. Oh, I was going to say, sure. say Apple Play. Yeah, I got CarPlay. Yeah, that's no, right. and to keep the teetsy flies out, you keep the windows up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's the yeah. bugs. There's something we didn't talk about much. Right. Are the bugs. <laughs> the things that want to use your body as a host. Yes. <laughs> right. That you have right. to ignore. Right. Right. And so you keep the windows up as much as you can, even you though. Can't. You, can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. You would can't. die. Yeah. 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 You can't. It's, and it's too hot. It's yeah. too hot. It's too humid. Because they always pick the best time of year to go. That's to exactly California. right. It seems as though it you was know? designed to be the hottest, most Let's humid. make it as miserable as possible. Right. 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 Folk, yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So air conditioning, carbon activated pollen cabin air filters. <laughs> those would have yes. been nice. <laughs> Auto drying seats. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So after two weeks, the interior of a Camel Co- Trophy car that people have been living in in yes. this condition, yes. you can only imagine what that's like. Right. Uh, on, uh, on multiple you know, levels. Right. I always <laughs> thought that uh, Stevens Camel Trophy yes. truck, its odor was the result of Steven. No, that wasn't my fault. It came like that. Yeah. That is that is genuine Sabah Malaysia uh, odor. Yeah. I have the uh, I have the second mechanics discovery. Uh, so it was. Uh, they say that it was better taken care of because the mechanics had to drive it. So they made sure that theirs was in uh, the best running order. But uh, but then it went to uh, France and it was the French team's training car for ten years. So that took care of any care that may have been taken of it was uh, was wiped away by those guys. So, where did uh, I first meet you for with that vehicle? Oh, geez, where was it? That's a great question. It might have been. Uh, we did an Overland Expo at one point. It may have been there. Might um, have. It might have been at uh, Four by Far, possibly. I kind of think it could was have Four been by that. Far. Yeah, it could have been Four yeah. by Far. I think. Yeah. So we had that that car there and still running. Needs a new fuel injection pump. But ah, we'll get that takes care of it. It's no problem. Easy. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Do that in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. We just got to get around to it. But no, it's uh, it's a fantastic. And the next we'll have to have you out to uh, drive the uh, official uh, underpowered our company car, which is a, a G4 edition uh, Freelander. So that is, uh, uh, oh, we've almost got it running uh, again after, uh, you know, between Ike and I, we have. Uh, I disavow I all hundred knowledge, <laughs> ownership of the Freelander. Yeah, where our our expertise lies far more in uh, you know in uh, series ones, twos, two A's. Uh, so a Freelander uh, is pretty foreign, um, but uh, but we're getting through it. We're understanding it. There's a little thing you can plug in in the dash that tells you what's wrong with it, which is very novel. Normally you just have to sort of uh, listen to it or see what fell out. 
Uh, so it's a it's a novel concept, but uh, but yeah, it's our the official the undisputed king of Land Rovers, the uh, G4, so, the G4 Freelander. So, so. Freelander just yeah. you know didn't do well here in North no, America no. for a few reasons. Yeah, yeah. But what a lot of people don't know, Freelander was the top selling compact SUV in Europe for yeah. five years yeah. in a row. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, and our good friend Phil Bashel of the uh, Dunsfold Collection has uh, thirty of the stupid things yeah. and uh, loves them. And folks who have the diesel version in the UK. With the five speeds, swear with the love them. Them. they yeah. love them, and they that's the big difference. Yeah, absolutely, that is it. that's yeah. all it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, so I get that's probably the next modification is simply abandon the uh, <laughs> the, the gas drivetrain and import a diesel drivetrain from the UK. So that's uh, that's probably the next thing we'll do. But uh, no, I love them. I mean, it's it's, it's a weird car where you kind of you kind of can't help but smiling driving one of those silly things. But they I, are uh, they're uh, they're a joy, especially off road. They're like a a ton of fun to drive. I really, I really like. I've it. I've heard the term. They just kind of scamper around. <laughs> I think that's a great way to think <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah, well, they'll yeah. float. Yes, yeah. they, they'll float. I've seen them do better in mud than some other vehicles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're lighter weight. Yeah, lighter belly pan. Yeah, it's all the yep. plastic. Just yep. you know. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a child's toboggan underneath it, so you can just yeah. sort of you just sort of go, and uh, they are great. They're I, I like them a lot, actually. I think they're uh, they're it's it's a, it's a sort of a community joke, but uh, I take it seriously. I really love that. Little clearly, Freelander. clearly, you're very yeah. serious about freelancers. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. First of all, for everything you do for the community, for being here uh, at, at these type of events. And I think for more than anything, for indoctrinating a, a whole new generation of uh, new Defender owners, uh, new Range Rover and Discovery owners into the Land Rover lifestyle, into an appreciation that their car can probably do more than they're ever going to do with it. And that sense of uh, hopefully inspiring them to try to get to uh, to that next level. And of course, for everything you guys have, have accomplished for uh, taking those poor trucks and dragging them through the mud for for a couple weeks and then helping others drag them through the mud for weeks after that. Our pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Be well, doing what we love to do anyway and getting paid and getting for paid it. getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Well, I hope you guys will come on the show again. You're welcome anytime. And hopefully we'll we'll catch up at another event in the future, and maybe we'll do some we'll do some trail run videos or something. We'll we'll figure something. Uh, something I want to do another podcast now with him about motorcycles. You guys absolutely, go away. yeah. <laughs> for, that's right for for Ike's side podcast. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. We'll let you get back out there, but uh, we appreciate you spending the time. All right, thank, thank, you. thank you. See you on the trail. Bye. All right. Well, hey, again, I can't say enough nice things about those two guys. We really appreciate them spending the time with us in their busy Land Rover event schedule to be able to sit down with us and chat through both the Camel Trophy and and just generally what they're into and what they're doing because they lead fairly interesting adventure lives. Yeah, no, I was really happy to hear from them both. Uh, wow, really like seeing those guys at events and just a wealth of knowledge and advice and they always have just a problem-solving can-do attitude. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, and we uh, we got to see them all in their uh, Camel Trophy finery at the dinner. It was, they were all lined up like they oh, were. Man. Those you guys know, know everything. Out of a camel trophy truck. They know so how cool. to fold a napkin at a state dinner. They know yeah. how to fix uh, the recording gear here in the studio. Yeah. They know Absolutely. how to get your Land Rover unstuck. They, you know, mm -hmm. they're depth of knowledge is uh, just limitless. It really is. It really is. And wonderful. I'm glad we finally righted the great Destination Defender recording snafu uh, wrong. So. Uh, we also have uh, we have Tim Sweat and uh, Daphne Green coming up in a future episode, which then completes our destination defender mishap and is the first time that we've ever had an actual Camel Trophy team together on the show. 
at one time. So look forward to that in an upcoming episode. It's going to be great. Speaking of upcoming episodes, if you haven't taken a, a wander over to the old Patreon neighborhood and checked out the Underpowered Hours Patreon, we encourage you to do so because your support keeps the uh, Underpowered Hour coming to you or or not, you know, uh, whichever whichever it is. The, uh, the you know. interview machine is very thirsty and requires lots of petrol. And That's so exactly we right. need yeah. to keep it fed uh, so we can keep bringing you these wonderful folks. There's only so often we're able to drive 6,500 miles round trip to bring you these fantastic interviews. And as you can imagine, there are costs associated with doing that. So uh, we definitely appreciate your support. And uh, if you can also head over to the YouTube channel, why not? Liza would love you to watch uh, all of our YouTube videos or like I've said, keep them on for a, uh, you know, a senile family member or a geriatric cat that uh, can't leave the house. <laughs> uh, you know, just leave it streaming all day. There's They're not going to know. And, uh, and we appreciate it. So uh, anything you can do for us in that respect, we certainly appreciate that. So if you need a sticker, if you need a t-shirt, a hat, uh, what have you, head on over to the Underpowered Hour store. You can check out the underpoweredhour.com and uh, get all of the uh, latest on merchandise and Underpowered Hour flamethrower, the Underpowered Hour bedroom uh, set, the Underpowered Hour leather reclining sofa, uh, you know, whatever. Well, you know, if you're interested enough in it, we'll inquire about having something made. So we appreciate it. As always, and unfortunately, we have yet again run out of time uh, for Ike's uh, review of Nando's. This is getting out of hand. It is. You know, we have talked to the Nando's people, and uh, they are uh, interested in knowing where the uh, sponsorship money has gone. Uh, you know, tens of thousands of dollars now has yielded very little, but uh, we promise as long as they don't turn off that money tap, that review is going to show up at some point in the <laughs> uh, in the near future. So uh, on that potential Ponzi scheme, uh, we will talk to you uh, next week. All right. See you, Stephen. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.